Uh, if you have your Bible, Ephesians 4 is where we're going to spend the bulk, bulk of our time this morning. Ephesians 4, verse 17 through 32. Hear now the words of the Lord. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Those are the very words of God. Amen. Amen. Have you ever been in love? Have you ever been in love? I'm not talking about uh, have you ever been in like. And I'm not talking about a youthful crush. Have you ever been in love? Love. You ever seen the Little Rascals? L is for the way you look at me. Love. Um. Uh, love is an interesting thing. Love changes you, right? Love changes you. Uh, I'm talking about a temptations kind of love. A my girl kind of love. And I guess you say, I've got sunshine on a cloudy day kind of love. Love changes you. The kind of love that keeps you up at night, talking on the telephone late at night, love. Uh, or these days, it, the kind of love that has your thumbs hurting from texting all night kind of love. Love changes you. Love changes you. And you ever met a married couple? They've been married for a long time, an old married couple. Married for many, many years. Uh, they, they begin to change and start, they start acting like one another. They, they start sounding like one another. They, they start telling the same jokes. They start changing. They even kind of, in a weird way, they start looking alike. You know what I mean? Like two different people 
who've been together so long that they actually start being like one another. Love changes things. Love changes us. When we come to our text this morning, what we will see is that very thing. We'll see Paul speaking of this love relationship and no, it's not with a spouse, it's with Jesus Christ. And Paul is speaking of this kind of relationship that changes you. He says, when you are in relationship with Jesus Christ, you are changed. You begin to look like Him. You, you, you ought to begin to sound like Him. You ought to begin to speak His language a little bit. Love changes people. Y'all can tell my mama here, right? Y'all. <laughs> Love changes us. Love changes us. This morning, I want us to investigate several things. And we'll see this morning in our time today uh, that in order to be transformed by Jesus, we've got to understand our condition without Him. We've got to understand our condition without Jesus to be changed by Him. We'll also see once transformed by Jesus, He's going to give us some responsibilities that we've got to embrace. And also, when Christ transforms us, we take on a different appearance. We take on a different appearance. I want to speak from the subject, transformed by Jesus. But before we dive into the Word, let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You, Lord Jesus. This morning, Father, we thank You because nothing is impossible for You. And so, Father, I pray uh, that you would anoint this preaching moment. Father, would you lift yourself up? Would you exalt yourself in this place this morning, Father? Father, I pray that you would move me aside and that you would step to the forefront and that you would declare your word this morning. Father, I don't claim to be good enough. I don't claim to be smart enough. But Father, thank You by the power of the Spirit of the living God. You will declare good things this morning. And so Father, I pray that You would give us ears to hear. That You would give us eyes to see all that You would say and do during our time this morning. Father, allow me to decrease that You may increase as John prayed. Speak Your words. Have Your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. See, one of the things I love about Paul's letter to Ephesus is that he doesn't just tell us what we should know. He tells us what we should know the first few chapters, but then Paul tells us what we ought to do. He gives us doctrine, then he gives us the practical stuff, and he tells us how to live it out. Last week, Richard talked about, uh, uh, he talked about Ephesians chapter 4, the first half of Ephesians chapter 4. And he taught us several things. Among, we learned that we are to be the very body of Christ. And that the body of Christ is God's plan A to get things done. And we also learned that our pursuit ought to be to grow in and under our head, which is Jesus Christ. And within that body, there are to be leaders whose job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We are actually supposed to be 
the church and not just to do church. But then in the second half of chapter 4, where we'll spend the bulk of our time today, Paul, he zooms in a bit further and he reveals what the body of Christ, uh, once governed by Jesus and once governed by the Holy Spirit, Paul reveals to us what the body of Christ ought to look like. So let's look at it. One of the things we see is to be transformed by Christ, we've got to understand our condition without Him. To be really transformed by Christ, you've really got to understand the condition you're in without Him, apart from Him. Look at it with me. Paul says in verse 17, Church, don't walk like the Gentiles do. What he's saying is, Church, the Gentiles are unbelievers. They are separated from God. Don't walk like they do. Look at verse 18 with me. Paul says, the person that is not in Christ is darkened in their understanding. They're alienated. Look at this language. Alienated from the life of God. Their hearts are hard. Look at verse 19 with me. Apart from Christ, they've, they've become callous. They've given themselves up to sensuality. They're greedy and they're practicing every kind of impurity. Do you see these descriptions here? He's saying he's showing us what a person that is separated from God looks like. He's showing us. He's giving us this picture. And then he says, church, don't you walk like that. Don't you be like that, church. But in order for us to really be transformed We have to see ourselves as we really are, because many of us have we have this misperception of ourselves. Many of us think we're much better than we actually are. See, if we don't see who we really are apart from Christ, we will never see our true need for Christ. See, if we can see who we are and how broken we are and how sinful we are, as Romans 3 points out, if we can see that nobody pursues after God, that none of us are righteous, not even one, then we'll see our need for Him. We can begin to see how messed up we really are. We'll see our need for Him. As long as I don't go as far as she does, right? As long as I don't go as far as he does. See, so often we, we make our standard another person. And our standard becomes the person next to us who's a lot worse than I am. As long as I don't go as far as she went because, man, she, whew. As long as I don't do the things that he did because, man, he really. And that becomes our standard when our standard ought to be the word of God. So Paul is telling us, he's showing us, if you really want to be transformed, you got to see who you are apart from God. You know, when you see who you are apart from God, you know that it breeds thankfulness. You know, it breeds gratefulness. You know what it breeds? It breeds a heart of thanksgiving because God loved you anyway. That's what it breeds. Paul shows the church what a Christless life looks like. But when we're separated from Christ, the problem is actually our hearts. Our hearts are hard. Look at Ezekiel 36, verse 22 with me. It says this, 
I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. We need a new heart. You know the story of Harriet Tubman, right? They called her Moses. And Harriet Tubman freed hundreds of slaves. Uh, She freed hundreds of slaves. And uh, they would go uh, through the Underground Railroad and Harriet Tubman, they called her Moses. They would, uh, she would have this gun that she carried just in case somebody got uh, too afraid and wanted to turn back and spoil the rest of the crew. And so she would help free these slaves, hundreds of slaves. And you know what Harriet Tubman said? She, should, she said, I could have freed plenty more if they knew that they were slaves. They had, they had been slaves so long and many of them had been born into slavery that they didn't even know they were in bondage. They got comfortable in their bondage. They got comfortable, get this, in chains. They didn't even know that they were slaves. Harry Tubman said, I could have freed so many more if only they had known. And this is the picture that Paul is lifting up before us that if we see how broken we are, if we see that we are really in chains, we can be freed by the power of Jesus. If we can see that we are really destitute and in need of a true and a living God, he can free us. You want to be transformed, you really got to see who you really are apart from Christ. Secondly, we need to see that once we're transformed by Jesus, we've got some responsibilities to embrace. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What are you talking about? You're telling me I've got to do some work? I mean, Jesus is the one who's supposed to do this. Once we've been changed by Jesus and transformed, we've got some work to do. Look at verses 22 through 24 with me. Paul writes, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed by the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He gives three instructions. He says, put off your old self. He says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And then he says, to put on the new self. I know some of us, um, when we came to saving faith in Jesus, uh, I know some of you have never struggled with sin again when you came into saving faith with Jesus. But for the rest of us, for the rest of us, Paul says, put off the old self. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And he says, put on the new self. See, the old self is like clothes that were comfortable. Um, those pair of shoes that you really liked, right? Um, those running shoes that you just loved and you really couldn't get rid of. That pair of jeans that just fit perfectly. And you know, ladies, y'all look in the mirror like, do I look cute? Um, those clothes, the old self is comfortable. It's, it's, it's what's natural. Paul says, put off the old self and be renewed 
in the spirit of your mind. What Paul is saying is he's saying every day of your life, you ought to be putting off sin. Every day of your life, you ought to be fighting sin and resisting the devil so that he will flee from you. Then Paul says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Paul isn't, he's not talking about some Dr. Phil-ish self-help kind of stuff. When Paul says, be renewed in your mind, he's talking, uh, he's not talking about some, um, some self-help kind of uh, Dr. Phil-ish kind of stuff. He's talking about way more than that. Paul says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And the way you and I are renewed in the spirit of our minds is by diving deep into the Word of God and resting in the Spirit of God. That's how we're renewed. You want to be renewed in the spirit of your mind? You dive deep into the Word. Be saturated into the Word. Take a healthy diet of the Word every single day. Why? The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, 81, he said this, My soul longs for your salvation. Get this, I hope in your word. And in Psalm 119, 103 through 105, he says this, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you want to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, your responsibility is to saturate yourself in the Word of God. Then Paul says, put on the new self. Put on the new self. And what I love about this is that the new self is faith in Jesus. And you already have faith in Jesus. So what, what is Paul talking about when he says, put on the new self? What Paul is talking about, he's saying, be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ every day. Be reminded of His goodness. Remind yourself of His grace. Remind yourself of His compassion toward you. He's not saying put on the new self, meaning put on your own salvation. You can't do that. You cannot save yourself. And so many of us are trying to save ourselves. We try to find salvation in money. We try to find salvation in relationships. Paul says... Put on the new self. Remind yourself of the love that Jesus has for you. Remind yourself of the gospel. How do we know what he intends here? How do we know we can't save ourselves? Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 helps us. He would say, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This not your own doing is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. But this putting off the old self, this being renewed by the spirit of our minds and putting on the new self is it's the process of sanctification. It's the very thing that Paul's talking about when he says the very things in Scripture, the very things I, I want to do, I don't do, and the very things that I don't want to do are the very things that I do. It's sanctification. It's this inner war that's happening. And that's why Paul says, put off the old self. Yes, the old self has been conquered by sin, but we have to consistently flee sin. Flee. Run from it. Move in the other direction. It's the process of sanctification. You remember, uh, maybe you don't, uh, 
Maybe when you got a new car. Remember getting a new car? And maybe it was new to you. Maybe it was a used car and it was new to you. And you got that car. I remember when I got my first car. It was a 1984 Buick Regal. I was 15 years old. My car had no reverse. I'm not joking. <laughs> you can ask my mom after the service. Uh, 1984 two-door Buick Regal. It was long as a boat. But every time I got the chance, man, I'm outside wiping that thing. I'm washing that car. Why? Because it was my prized possession. I cared for that car. I loved that car. Man, when you get a new car, and even if it's used, it's new to you, you're walking past that car, don't see a, oh, what's that? Is that a new scratch? Looking around it. I mean, you're checking this car out. Why? Because you're caring for your possession. You got this thing and you care for this car and you're grateful for this car and you're looking at that. Uh, ladies, maybe it's shoes for you. You got a new pair of shoes. Oh, what's that on my heel? Or you're looking at these shoes and you're caring for these shoes. Why? Because you're grateful for them. You're, you're thankful for them. And that's exactly what we see here in our text. Paul says, continue to fight sin. Continue to fight the dirtiness, the proverbial dirtiness of sin. And you maintain it. You're not maintaining your salvation, but it's the sanctification process. You're putting off. You're putting on. You're renewing your mind consistently. Lastly, we need to see that when we're transformed, we take on a different appearance. When we're transformed, we take on a different appearance. Look at verse 25. Paul says, speak the truth. Verse 26, he says, be angry and do not sin. Verse 27, give no opportunity to the devil. Verse 29, get rid of corrupting talk and build others up. Verse 30, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, get rid of bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. Verse 32, he continues, he says, be kind, be tender-hearted, and forgive. In essence, Paul says, you're the church, so act like it. You're the church, so look like her. And he says, when Jesus has infiltrated your camp, you begin to look differently. You are not the same that you used to be. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ. They are a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are not the same. Paul saying, you ought to look differently. See, when Christ has touched your heart and your life, you're different. You're not the same. Look at verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. See, Jesus makes the difference. Jesus makes the difference. Jesus takes this thief and he turns him into a giver. Jesus makes the difference. And it's all about the heart. Jesus takes this thief and he not only... Uh, changes him from stealing, but then he makes him a hard worker. 
He becomes a hard worker and he's earning with his own hands. And then it goes even a step further. This guy begins to give to those in need. See, Jesus is not just after our morality. He's after our hearts. That's why you see a thief who becomes a giver. You can only do that if your heart has been changed. He's after our hearts. See, Jesus makes the difference. He can make a prostitute whole again. He can take a drug addict and put the pieces back together. Jesus makes the difference. He can take a prideful and a narcissistic person and make them a caring and compassionate person. Jesus makes the difference. He makes the difference. He changes things. See, when we have to understand that Jesus' ultimate goal is to transform our hearts. He is not after your morality. He is not after your good works. But when your heart is changed, when you've been transformed by the true and the living God, you'll do good works. When when you're in this love relationship, when you're overwhelmed by the goodness and the grace of Jesus, when He changes you, He'll get your heart. And He'll get your deeds. He does not want our morality. Um, have it in my family. I uh, know a lot of addicts. Grew up around addicts uh, in our neighborhood back home. Um, and we also serve a lot of people who struggle with addictions at Walking in Faith Homeless Ministry uh, every week. And I've been serving with this ministry for several years now. And the interesting thing is that you can always tell when a guy or a woman has been binging on their drug of choice. You can always tell. Um, Their cheekbones begin to show. The blood vessels in their eyes burst. Maybe they twitch a little bit. Uh, they're, They're thinner than they normally are. You can always tell when somebody's really been binging on their drug of choice. But one of the things that's so rewarding is to see somebody, even in that homeless ministry that we serve, get clean. And you see one of these people who's been strung out, um, who's really been in bondage of this drug. And then they get clean. And you can see how they begin to fill out again. And you can see how they get their complexion back. You can see how their eyes become clear again. You can see how their thoughts are more coherent as they're speaking to you. It changes when somebody gets clean. Their appearance is different. And what Paul is telling us here, he says, when you are drugged by the power of the living God, your appearance will change. You will not look the same. You will change. You will look different than the world looks. And this is not some religion, a religious kind of message. The Word of God says, if you're in Christ, you will look different. You won't look like the world. You'll be a different person. Maybe you can't go the same places you used to go. Maybe you can't uh, listen to the same music you used to listen to. You'll be a different person. You'll have a different appearance. 
And I love this because in verse 32, Paul tells us why all this is. He says, you are to forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. You are to forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's the gospel. The reason why we're changed, the reason why we're transformed is because God sent his only son to die on our behalf. To die the death that we should have died to be in our place for our sin. The reason all this matters, the reason we can forgive, the reason we can have kind-heartedness, the reason we can cast away anger is because Christ did it for us because of the gospel. It's because he loved us, we can love. It's because he showed compassion to us, we can show compassion to others. It's because he first forgave us through his son Jesus that we can forgive Others, it's all fueled by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You want to be transformed? You want to be changed? You want your world to be turned upside down in the best way? Meet Jesus. Know him. Walk with Him. Be saturated in Jesus and the Spirit of the living God. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me. All who labor and who are heavy burdened, come to me, all who labor and who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Do you need rest this morning? He says, do you need rest? Have you been seeking your own desires and have you been restless? If you need rest, come to me. I got you. Got you. Will you come to him this morning? you don't know Him, come to Jesus. He loves you. He's pursuing you, even in this moment. He cares for you more than you begin to know. Father, thank You that You are a God of rest. Thank You, Father, that we don't have to struggle in our lives on our own. We don't have to deal with our circumstances on our own, but you tell us out of your own mouth, come to me. Those who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So, Father, would you be the God of rest this morning? Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the ultimate gift in Jesus. Thank you for his death, his burial, and the power of his resurrection that gives us hope this morning, gives us life this morning. Thank you, Father, that you did not forget about us, but you sent your only Son while we were still stuck in our filth and our shame and our guilt. You made Him guilty on our behalf. You shamed Jesus on our behalf. Thank you, Father that we don't have to be ashamed of our past any longer. Because you forgave us, and you receive us if we put our hope and our whole faith in you. And I pray that you would put that on hearts this morning. For those that are in you, 
and those that are apart from you, Father, I pray that we would remember you, Jesus, all the days of our life. In Jesus' name.